How do you live your life like tomorrow matters? Perhaps you're already growing food, consuming less, connecting with your community. Perhaps you're already thinking hard, keen to see the world a little slower, greener, healthier. But where to begin? Here on the Future Studying Podcast, we dig deep into the hearts and minds of blissfully normal people doing bloody amazing things, unearthing their moments of contradiction, their hopes and fears for the future, and what galvanises them to action, in the name of inspiring all of us to do a little more in shaping a better future today. I'm Katie. And I'm Jade. And this is Future Steady. So let's talk about herbs. 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 I did study herbal medicine, and but it was a brown bottle herbalism that I partook in, which is you sit in a classroom, you rote learn the dosage ranges and you look at a brown bottle and you dish that out and you've never actually seen the plant in real life. So that's the background for me and then I just have explored herbs further and further and tried to teach myself how to be a legitimate herbal witchy person. But I think the context for this shorty is that so many people are really getting interested and engaged and curious about herbal medicine and the the power of herbs not only as remedies for ailments but also just as you know weeds that are high in nutrition and easily accessible and we don't have to grow them in our backyard and there's just food food everywhere that we haven't tapped into for a few decades and um yeah just herbs in their simplicity and therapy and potential to maybe combat pandemics or you know coronaviruses or whatever we're Mm. dealing with in the present times but just as these beautiful allies that we've kind of forgot about and now we're well what I'm seeing is people getting more on board with um, learning how to forage and identify plants and so today we thought we'd just chat a little bit about um, DIY herbal remedies or things that you can do at home or you can just start building a relationship with plants that you might find quite foreign so what has what has your experience with herbs been, Jade? Uh, well, I've always grown herbs, but mostly from a culinary perspective. And so it's probably only been the last couple of years that I've started to consider other roles that they could have. And, you know, there's some really easy to adopt practices like garlic. You know, whenever I've got a cold kind of brewing, you know, that feeling you get when you feel a bit under the weather and you think, oh, mm. I think I'm coming down with something. It's kind of a disgusting thing to do, but actually I cut garlic cloves in half and I stick them on my gums so that they're absorbed really, really quickly. And then once I've almost passed out, because that is a pretty full-on practice, I stick it in some <laughs> boiling water with a little with a little bit of honey and then I drink that water, I drink garlic water for 24 hours straight and no one can come near me because my pores are just oozing. But I tell you, <laughs> it nails it. So things like that. And I also use, um, you know, herbs not just in sort of culinary or medicinal practices for us but also for other things like, Uh, using you know eucalyptus oils for cleaning and using uh, poultices or creating poultices of all sorts of different herbs and garlics and and coconut oils and those sorts of things to help with our chickens uh, scab on their feet or to use black walnut as a tincture for our chickens parasite management that I put in their water so other than those things pretty minimal although um your knowledge is deep and I love your knowledge and I, I feel like I need to tap into that 
more and more regularly. I have actually also just started working with someone who is an Ayurvedic specialist and she or therapist and she said what she's having trouble finding is provenance identified herbs Mm. and so I've just started growing a lot of stuff for her and slowly over the next couple of years we'll build up that medicine garden so I'm kind of learning too just like everybody else but I would love Mm. you really to take the lead today and kind of talk through what some of those things could be. Mm. Yeah well so what I have thought about when contemplating this short combo is that there is such a wealth of information out there, especially at the moment. So people like Taj, the Permapixie, who we've already interviewed, is doing live Facebook Live, weekly foraging tips, plant ID, and she's showing people these plants in situ and helping us to identify and utilise them in really traditional folk medicine kind of ways. There's people, um, there's the Weed Foragers Handbook, which is just an invaluable tool for anyone who wants to start eating safe Mm. neighbourhood weeds. But when I was Mm. thinking about this conversation, I really want to go right to the very simplest ways to engage with herbs that aren't, you're not at risk of keeling over. I feel like there's this role of herbs that is also just, symbolic and archetypical and I'll explain what I mean so you can just have a therapeutic action that is coming from an observation or you just sitting with a plant so you don't even have to touch that plant to have some beautiful connection and benefit with it so when I think of herbs like dandelion I'm kind of evoking dandelion as a symbol whoa, it's just colonising this bare, you know, maybe toxic riddled paddock or backyard somewhere that I felt was inhospitable or not worthy of growing anything in. But Dandelion is a pioneer and she's gone out there and she's just putting her roots down. And I feel like that spirit of the plant can be kind of something to guide us as well. And plants have a personality. And so, yes, observing Dandelion and thinking, oh, how can I be more um, pioneering or resilient or put my roots down in a place that doesn't seem ideal or rosemary you know I can conceive of rosemary as this old woman who's got this tight bun and she's a house proud old woman who sweeps thrice daily and she's no fuss no nonsense and she's got a heart of gold and rosemary is this herb that really does help you kind of sweep out things in your system in the liver in the digestive system so that's actually an action that it has in the body but just thinking about rosemary and thinking of this old woman persona that rosemary might have that kind of is a nice thing to sit with and I look at rosemary in my garden it's like oh there she is and she's kind of there for me and I can just look at her and feel that feeling and maybe embrace a little more stoicism or you know do something that's tough Oh, sage. So sage is an antihydrotic and it's really great for stopping excess sweating and for women having hot flushes. And it's this beautiful, cooling, drying herb and women who are lactating actually, you know, could struggle with sage because it can dry up the breast milk production. It's that strong. But sage, Mm. again, is this calming kind of anti-anxiety, just it'll be okay, love kind of presence. And you can just sniff a bit of sage and that is having an effect on your nervous system. And I just wanted to really highlight the fact that we don't have to ingest a herb or we don't have to make a remedy with a 100-proof vodka or a salve or something that's a bit intimidating. We can actually just go into our garden or into our neighbourhood and look at look at these plants that are around us and think, oh, maybe I'm feeling a bit rosemary today or maybe I can tap into what I need from yarrow, which is like a bit of toughness or first aid or 
um, help in a crisis. And it sounds so esoteric, but that's part of herbal medicine too. And so if you were going to say, you know, I don't live in the city, but if I did live in the city and I didn't have a lot of space to grow a few of my own yeah. and I only had a bit of space on the balcony for four or five pots, what would you recommend people have? Herbal, Herbally speaking? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, so, again, we really don't have to grow anything if we don't have the time or resources because there is just there's dandelion and mallow and cleavers and all manner of really therapeutic herbs that are just springing up everywhere at the moment in the pavement, in the cracks, and they would be guaranteed in a parking lot near you on the side of the street. And unless you're worried about dogweed, which is sterile and you can just wash it off, you can actually eat those herbs and, again, using books to help you identify them and just checking out your council and, like, where they're spraying and stuff. But you don't need to grow anything if you're really just wanting to keep it super, super simple. You can go and forage. But in terms of growing herbs in pots things like rosemary do really well because it doesn't mind getting a bit hot and dry in a pot sage is a good one I mean the usual suspects we've had really good luck with Vietnamese mint which has just been really tenacious Mm. and then you can make fur like these beautiful broths and Vietnamese inspired stews and that's just got a lovely flavor that is a bit different Tulsi holy basil that's an amazing adaptogen and you can use that in so many ways and I wanted to say too, whenever you're using herbs in a culinary sense, that's herbal medicine. So there's this beautiful synergy and tradition that herbs have. You know, we have lamb and rosemary. And there's a reason for that because rosemary is an antioxidant. Lamb is incredibly fatty and rosemary really helps to protect those fats from oxidizing when lamb is cooking. Not only that, it's a digestive herb. So it helps stimulate our digestive process before we eat that heavy meal. And it's the same with pork and fennel and mint and lamb. And, you know, when there's a pairing of typically a meat, but it can be vegetables, anything where we have that traditional um, flavor combination, that's herbal medicine in action because mm. there's a relationship there that's existed for a really long time and we may, might just think, oh, that's nice, but it's actually people knew what they were doing. So I love yeah. that you can just, yeah, look to your look to your spice rack as well. Like if you've got a stomach ache, you can just steep some fennel seeds in tea and that's an amazing gas kind well, of I was about to, dispeller. I was going to ask about that. So I often just pick... Uh, whatever fresh herbs I've got around me and I pop it into warm water and if I feel like a bit of honey I might put that in there but otherwise I don't so is that a, is that a really effective way of actually accessing some of those um, healing benefits of the herbs so there are lots of different thoughts around how to get the best out of herbs and so I feel like it can be a bit of a personal preference and again it can come down to what does that feel? Does that feel good to you? Does the tea with the honey and that beautiful aroma feel good to you? And in that case, I would say do it. But can, you know, technically speaking, herbs that are aromatic um, are probably going to have a scent or volatile oils. And so they're better as a tea where you're not really soaking it for a very long time. You might be drinking it within a few minutes and it's not. So what are they? Damage. What are some of those? So things you can sniff. So the mint family, mint, um, sage. Um, thyme has a lot of volatile oils, um, really smelly herbs. I think the ones like lemon, lemon verbena, all those ones are really great as a tea. Um, and then, so that's one component. And often those oils are actually very calming for the digestive system. Mm. But then 
um, there are things, and so what I do each day and what I'm drinking right now is herbal herbal infusion. And this is something based on Susan Weed, and she's a real master herbalist. She's a very cantankerous old woman, but she has a lot of great things to say about herbs. And so there are herbs that actually require a lot longer steeping time. So I steep herbs overnight, you know, for eight hours, and that is actually really accessing the mineral content that you wouldn't get in a tea. So there are limitations to tea if you're looking to get like a lot of nutrition out of that herb so things like nettle and oat straw and red clover and comfrey leaf not root and linden flower I soak these things for a really long time and that's actually like a multivitamin so again these are herbs that aren't aromatic they don't have essential oils they're nutritious and I treat that like a supplement essentially and where do people find those sorts of things like yeah, i can't just go out into my paddock and pick them can i like lots of those things have more specific locations Definitely. that they need to come yeah to. so again like without getting too technical and overwhelming um when you're making the the herbal infusions it's best to use a dried herb because essentially that herb has had the cell wall broken and when you steep it in boiling water it's going to be really accessible that nutrition so if you go out and forage for those herbs and use them fresh you're not going to be accessing those same minerals essentially because minerals are like rocks you know they're really really hard to get out of the tough fibrous plant but if we forage and then dried it could we do it ourselves yeah but yes you can you'd be hard pressed to make enough so the, the infusions that i make you use like 30 grams of herb at a time so what i find is the best to do is support hopefully as much as you can australian suppliers so i buy them um, from people like Highland Herbs down in Tassie or Austral Herbs, um, and I buy them in bulk. So these people do it better than I can. I can't go and forage that much nettle and hang it to dry and have enough that's going to give me the kind of nutrition power that I need. So I buy those big bags of herbs in bulk and I have them in my cupboard, much to much the bemusement of my flatmates who open the cupboard and then have you know <laughs> a tsunami of herbs falling on them from above. But um, yeah, so if you're going to be using lots and lots of herbs, I'd say support people who are doing it really well and growing organically and mindfully and what have you. So, yeah, those kind of herbs, the, the herbal infusions, I think for people are a really, really simple way to get more nutrition in your life in a modern world that might be a little bit deficient in certain areas. So um, I really love recommending those to people and they're so easy. You just boil the kettle at night and you pour the boiling water over like 30 grams of this herb and you just drink it the next day chilled. Amazing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and they're really refreshing. I remember you turning up. You'd just been observing me for a day in the paddock and I was a bit sort of lethargic and fatigued and you came in and you said, I've made you an infusion of, what was that? Was that <laughs> Nettle, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you said you will want it until your body doesn't need it anymore and I craved yeah. it. It's all I wanted for days and days and you kept it coming and then suddenly I just didn't want it anymore. It's so cool, isn't it? The body just really understands when it's on a good thing and what it needs when you take the time to listen. And I've had a lot of people, especially women, I don't know, nettle is a really blood-building kind of iron-rich tonic and I think that women need a lot of the things that are in nettle and a lot of my friends who um, I've suggested the herbal infusions to come back to me and they're just like salivating you know I can't get enough of this stuff just hook it to my veins so if, if people when we were research... recording last time I remember you saying that you can't use nettle that is in flour is that right that's so I don't know the technical reasoning for this but I know that traditionally 
um, the herbalist like Susan Weed, who I follow, just says not to pick it when it's in um, seed. And it could be that plants release certain chemicals and constituents when they're seeding that are different that we don't necessarily want. Um, so I can't really vouch for that scientifically, but it's just something that I know, you know, best pick nettle when it's young in the mm-hmm. spring or whenever it's coming up before it's gone to seed. Mm, I love these yeah. little, I feel like what happens is that all of this incredible knowledge, this wealth of, of in-depth knowledge about how to use the things that are around us just have fallen by the wayside and I've gone into the box of being witchy and not appropriate for modern day healing practices but actually they're so nourishing that they give you a foundation that you don't necessarily get from western medicine well yes that's such a good observation and I think that what happens one of the things that might happen is that we either have an expectation that herbs are going to perform like drugs and then when they don't measure up to a drug standard then they're not therapeutic and that's Mm. a that is like when you're setting the goalpost, the goalposts at a certain point and saying this isn't, you know, a level playing field. And so, yeah, treating herbs like drugs and expecting expecting them to have that action is never going to be a thing. Herbs are completely different and I see them as like a food and they're working in really intuitive ways with the body that I really don't think we have enough understanding of and science can't describe yet. But the history of their use and those traditions there's so much wisdom there and I'm really happy to lean on that and hark back to that, even though I think it's easy for people to level at herbal medicine that it's all just baloney or um, you can't prove mm-hmm. that in a double-blind study. And I think there's an arrogance. There is an arrogance in that and I really hope that we'll be validated one day when we can have a more holistic view of plants and the amazing constellation of constituents that they bring and the things that we can't quantify yet so I'm backing the herbs (laughs) (laughs) I am too simply because they also play a role in their culinary in your culinary world and they get you in the garden they put your hands in the dirt even if it's just to pick something the sensorial experience from that is magnificent I wonder um you've mentioned some beautiful uh references um for people to follow and I wonder if just in our last minute or so so we don't break our usual rule uh if you've got anything else I've got a couple really quickly I don't know if you've heard nice. of them but one that has just recently come out is Root to Bloom which is a Matt Pember and Jocelyn Cross uh, publication a modern guide to whole plant use harvest cook preserve and heal and it's be- it's a beautiful publication but it's also quite practical so that's a really good recommendation Brilliant. There's one that I've had in my library for a very long time, which actually was one of my mum's in the 70s, which is Just Herbs by, Ro- by Roger Phillips and Nikki Foy. So that's another recommendation that I would make really strongly. And then I don't know if any of you have come across the Chelsea Green Publication House, but they do a huge range of this sort of genre but one of their books is called The Herbalist's Way um, and it's written by a woman called Nancy Phillips who Mm. the reason I came across her is because she's Michael Phillips' wife and he is the godfather of holistic orcharding in the States and so we came across her but she's written a book called The Art and Practice of Healing with Plant Medicines and it's quite a hefty little number not as beautiful and full of illustrations as perhaps something like Root to Bloom but it's certainly a a great uh, reference guide to have. Oh nice yeah these books are so so priceless and even just implementing the, the teachings and wisdom of one of them can set you on 
this extraordinary path. Um, I love Rosemary Gladstar. She's got one called Medicinal Herbs, A Beginner's Guide. And I love it because it's um, plant ID, how to grow the herb as well, how to harvest it, and then all these ex- you know extraordinary things you can do with it. So I love that because it's really comprehensive. So Rosemary Gladstar, she's a badass. And um, I really like if people are interested in botany, botany in a day. Um, I'm sure you've seen that one, Thomas um, Elpel. And that's like if you don't want to go to uni and study horticulture or botany, you can – this book is quite incredible as a system of learning about botany. So that's a great one. And, yeah, Susan Weed's my favourite and Taj the Permapixie is really incredible um, with what she's putting out there right now and I'm sure there's so, so many others and we'll whack them in the show notes if we think of more. But I guess the summary point is that herbs really can be as gentle as brushing past something and smelling it and they're still reward and return in that as 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 much reward and return as there is going to your naturopath and actually getting a brown bottle full of a potent <laughs> concoction. Yes, yes. I'll say really, really quickly, I feel like if you can have a cursory or basic knowledge of herbs and especially weeds and everyday kind of safe remedies, this is traditional people's medicine so this is the kind of medicine that mothers would feel happy to use for kids for minor kind of things or families to use ongoing to really have that empowerment that you could reach into the garden and find something if you had an acute situation or something that you needed to manage that you just didn't necessarily need to go to the doctor for and I feel like herbs as people's medicine I really hope can come back come back and emerge and grow up and be a real source of confidence and um, just taking back control and it's health sovereignty isn't it exactly that's exactly what I needed to say thank you I don't know about you, but I feel as though we've got this wealth of healthful wonder right at all our own back doors. And every time I chat with Katie about herbs, I inch just a bit closer in my awareness that makes me feel a bit virtuous because it's so accessible and so empowering. I really hope today's convo had a really similar impact on you. Next week, we're chatting with Cindy O'Meara from Changing Habits, Changing Lives. Cindy's a nutritionist, filmmaker, author, and anti-big pharma advocate. We look forward to sharing her insights into the link between gut health and soil health, as well as all those usual probing questions that we ask just to get a, a bit of insight into how this woman ticks. Until then, we really hope you're enjoying season one of this Future Steading pod. We'd love your feedback and really encourage you to share your thoughts on your platform. Have a great midwinter week. See you next Monday.